0: Crystal is activated, and its light is pointing towards the Diabolical podcast. That must be the source of the spoilers for Studio Ghibli's Laputa Castle in the Sky. We have an
1: emergency. The way to Laputa has been opened. You've bungled the you server. And now I must exit.
2: This is Diabolical. The comedy podcast where four long suffering friends dissect Phil's most dastardly schemes and then try to improve them. I'm your host, Ben, and this week's movie is legendary Japanese animator Hayao Miyazaki's Castle in the Sky. So cook up the best looking fried egg on toast the world has ever seen and let's get diabolical. And welcome to the show. I'm here with three dusty old miners, otherwise known as the Panel of Peril. Please introduce yourselves and tell us what is your favourite anime? Gaz, we'll start with you. I'm Gaz,
3: and my favourite anime is by Hayao Miyazaki also, and it is called Spirited Away. My first studio. I GP thought it film, might be and still my favourite. It's a good one.
2: It's amazing. Certainly on my list. Craig.
0: Hello, Craig here, and my favourite anime, also by Hayao Miyazaki, is My Neighbour Totoro. Totoro,
2: Totoro. (laughs) And Cinemaster, introduce yourself and tell us what is your favourite anime.
1: Hello, Cinemaster here. I don't know whether whether I have a favourite anime, but I, I like dipping into it regularly, and what I'm currently watching on Netflix is really very, very, very good, called Omni... Mushu, by a supervising director that we are familiar with here, Takeshi Miike. So I'm enjoying that very much, and I can certainly recommend it to
2: the panel and all our peripals. Very good. Thank you. It's on the list. For me, I have just watched the finale of my favorite anime, and that is Attack on Titan. (laughs) Yes, Dylan told me it was the finale the other day. It was an absolute belter. Was it? It's an emotional roller coaster of a series. So many twists and turns. Yeah, you kind of th- you think that a lot of these twists come out of nowhere, but then when you actually go back, you see that every single thing has been breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Things that you just didn't notice on your first watch, and it's it's mm-hmm. wild. It's uh, it's very well made.
0: If we weren't going by a strict definition of what anime is, I might have said the tv series avatar legend of Ang and legend of korra but they're produced in the usa so you know
2: but i mean they're so heavily influenced i think yeah. i think mm. we can we can allow it and they are great series both of those mm.
3: i didn't finish korra oh did you i think we stopped about mm. halfway through the second season yeah
1: great ending great ending
2: mm. very
1: good yeah i've also um dipped in a, in and out of full metal alchemist as well which i really like so
3: mm. um, i've heard of it and I bet we're all fans of Akira. He doesn't like Akira.
1: Yeah,
2: I haven't seen it for a long time. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Probably the last time I watched it was with you guys.
0: I've watched it a few times in the last kind of three years because it had a remaster that's really good. So it's like giving it a new lease of life. It's a stunning remaster.
2: I mean, you, here you see a lot of people on those kind of bikes. Mm. They're still very popular. Yeah. Not not quite as futuristic, but that kind of shape. It's almost like a teardrop-shaped bike. Yeah. You...
1: Although I have not seen... Um, Attack of, on Titan. I like the way the title rolls off the tongue.
2: Well, in Japanese it's Geki no Kyojin.
1: Oh, okay. So so it's not well, I don't know whether that's as good as English. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe there's a poetry um... You never wear with that. Actually. <laughs>
2: Later, we'll be competing to see who can come up with the most diabolical scheme and earn performance-enhancing peril points for the Season 4 leaderboard. But first, let's take a closer look at this week's movie. Tenku no Shiro Raputa, released in English-speaking markets as Castle in the Sky, is a fantasy adventure from Japan's anime behemoth, Studio Ghibli. Written and directed by the studio's most illustrious co-founder, Hayao Miyazaki, it tells the story of Pazu, a young miner who dreams of finding Laputa, a legendary floating castle. When he meets Shita, an orphan girl who possesses a magical crystal with unique markings, the two embark on a perilous journey to find the castle and save it from those who would exploit its power. Released in 1986, Castle in the Sky was Miyazaki's follow-up to 1984's Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, and the first official release under the Studio Ghibli banner. It was a hit with critics who praised its lush landscapes and imaginative designs, as well as its explorations of themes such as environmentalism, friendship, and what can be achieved when we're determined enough to follow our dreams. As critical acclaim grew, so did its takings overcoming early box office disappointment to gross more than $150 million worldwide through subsequent re-releases and home video sales, far in excess of its $8 million budget. To me, Castle in Sky is a timeless classic that continues to amaze audiences of all ages and is a must-see for any anime or fantasy fan. But does the panel agree? Craig, did this movie make you want to fly up high in your little homemade flying machine or did it make you want to harness the destructive power of a legendary castle to destroy Earth? <laughs>
0: well, like Miyazaki-san himself, it made me want to make a little plane and fly up high. I think every film directed by him that I've seen contains a piece of this, but what I love about his style is how detail-oriented he is. He loves the way things work, like machinery. Yeah. You always get a good look at the engines that power things. He's obviously fascinated with flight. Also, as you mentioned earlier, food. You always get these dwelling shots on on food and the the family stuff that comes into all the films. But this one, in addition to that, is obviously a brilliant kind of adventure romp. The English dub is fantastic, great voice cast. Uh, Obviously, the original voice cast is very good as well. But one good thing about these films being imported to the West is that Disney really looked after the voice casting of it. Uh, And Mark Hamill, great villain in this, as he is in in most things. So yeah, I really love it. I think it's one of the better films from Studio Ghibli. And uh, I was very pleased to watch it again for this.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And this was the first time I'd seen it with the English dub. Uh... Yeah, I thought they did a really good job, actually. Usually I'm a bit hesitant of, of watching the dub, but this one was done very well.
0: Yeah. Did it annoy you that they called... Pazu Patsu, yeah, a little
3: bit. I thought yeah. it would like at patsy. Yeah, he's a bit of a patsy. He's a little bitch. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but um, don't slander beak James
3: Vanderbeek. You wouldn't <laughs> know it's James Vanderbeek, would you? It surprised me. No, oh, he's so were. good. Yeah,
2: was the dub 1998? So was that was that during Dawson, Dawson Creek fame? I think it. Would yeah, be, I it? think it was.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was still on. I'm pretty sure. Good show.
2: Dawson's Crevice. <laughs> That's the follow up. Do you ever see it? Did I? It's the right, right treat. Did it's the I? Gals, <laughs> right, what did you think of the film?
3: <laughs> um, It's not my favourite Ghibli film, to be honest. I'm not sure why. It just doesn't quite hit for me. It's like, like Craig said, it's got a lot of Miyazaki's tropes. Magnificent men and their flying machines and food mm. and children learning the value of hard work and coming together to solve problems. Um, I don't know. The, the, the story just doesn't quite do it for me. I'm not sure why. I like La Peter itself as a piece of art direction and the robots and everything that happens up there. Yeah, It just, it, it never quite hangs together for me. I'm, I'm not sure why, because I'm a, a massive studio mm. Ghibli fan and mm. I certainly like Castle in the Sky. Um, but I've never never loved it. And I, I don't think I ever will at this point, this being the third or fourth time that I've watched it. Yeah. Um, but I will watch it again and enjoy it. But as I say, probably not love it.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, the design of the, those robots is just incredible. And mm. in the Ghibli Museum here in Tokyo, they've got one on the roof. And so you go up this spiral staircase, you go kind of outside the museum, up this spiral staircase outside the building and on top. And they've built like a little... Like a, a little Laputa, if you like. It's, it's all paved and a, like a little rooftop park. And then there's this full-size statue of the robot. That's a, it's it's nice. pretty impressive.
0: <laughs> it's obviously had, a, design-wise, a huge influence on the Legend of Zelda series, especially the recent one.
2: Yeah, for sure. Which is cool. All right, Cinemaster, please tell us, what did you think of the film?
1: I had a big problem while watching this film. And it wasn't the film, it was me. I've been pretty poorly, as I've said from the outset, so I definitely didn't absorb everything that this film had to offer. But um, yeah, I did. En- I definitely did enjoy it. I, I, but I was just not in a uh, a good frame of mind to fully appreciate what it was. Um, it was my first viewing as well, so oh, really? Yeah, I, I I hadn't I hadn't heard of it before, but I did. There was loads of la- aspects that I am sure we'll talk about. I I thought it was uh, one of the first notes I made is uh, just about the film was uh, Laputa is very pretty. The whole film. I just thought it was, I, just, yeah. <laughs> I put basic stuff like that because I was just like, Oh, this is quite nice. And that, my, my last <laughs> note was uh, the gardens have survived and then dash a nice film. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and all I've got is about two thirds of a page's notes. And I just thought, oh, was such a bugger that I hadn't seen this, not a film that we haven't watched before, because then I could have probably waxed a bit more lyrical yeah. about the finer aspects and probably the, the, the it deserves a lot more than what I'm um, giving it
2: here. Well, my thoughts are on the film are more closely aligned with Craig. I, I love it. And it's my favourite Ghibli film. It's the one... Me and Mina uh, bonded over many, many years ago, and we still watch it from time to time. Uh, yeah, I had to buy the Blu-ray to get the English dub to be on the same page as you guys. So it was actually cheaper than buying the the old Japanese version, which is <clears throat> crazy. It's very rare that an imported version is cheaper than the, the original.
0: Yeah, we're lucky in the UK; they're on they're on Netflix, and they usually have both audio tracks on there that so you can choose, which is. Cool. Well, that,
2: that's why I, I hope that they're on Netflix for you. Um, mm. For some reason, it's they're they're not streaming here. They're very very precious with the the copyright over here. I mean, it took a lot of persuading. They just opened a, a Ghibli park down in in Aichi, Ken, um, not far from Nagoya, and took a lot of persuading for Hayao to to okay that. Yeah. It was only when he was told it would totally fund his new film, the The Boy and the Heron. <sighs> yeah. That he. He got totally on board and, and okayed it.
0: That looks amazing, by the way. Yeah, another good uh, English voice cast they announced this week
3: and showed the, the trailer with the, the on it.
2: Oh, The Boy and Heron's amazing. It's a great film. It's a really great uh, yeah. send-off.
3: Oh, now he's doing another one now, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. They already announced he's, he's making at least one more. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I was surprised that you didn't enjoy this more. guys I think of the studio's output, it's got one of the kind of tighter, more traditional plots. Mm. The sacrifice of the ending, although obviously they survive, is one of the most moving things I think I've ever seen in a in an animated film. You know, not counting the Studio Ghibli real fucking tear jerkers, which we probably shouldn't talk about because they're too upsetting to talk about. You know which ones I'm talking about.
2: Grave Fireflies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a heart
3: wrencher. It's a one time only watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> and Requiem for a Dream. Yes,
0: yeah, you know I can't watch that again. I think I've talked about it on the pod before, <laughs> but yeah, Castle in the Sky. Also, just really cool. You know, it's, I really love the fake out that you think the pirates are going to be the the villains, and then yeah, that and that so
2: weird. well done that. Yeah, yeah,
0: and uh, just. All the the craft designs, like mosquito personal jets they have and stuff. It's really fun, all the dogfighting. I think it's just a really good kind of traditional story. It reminds me of stuff like Tintin and Rupert Bear a bit, which I I really love that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as as you mentioned earlier, Craig, Mizaki's fascinated with flying machines. Yeah. He also thinks of himself, I guess his spirit animal, you might say, is like a pig, which is why Porco Rosso is like... A lot, yeah. a lot of it's about him. Right. Mm. Have, you seen,
0: have you seen the English dub of that? No. Oh, it's Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. It's fucking name. great. Billy Crystal. Billy <laughs> Crystal, indeed.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> been a while since we've had one of those. <laughs> Before I ask you for your highlights and favourite lines, we're going to play a little game I'm calling The Studio Jeopardy Quiz Game. I have several categories for you each with a question related to Castle in the Sky. You'll each get a chance to pick a category and answer a question. The categories are... Filthy Hall <laughs> Just a minor thing. How gulliverable do you think I am? I'll buy that for a dollar. And All Play. Cinemaster, could you pick a category?
0: Now remember, All Play is going to do it anyway. And it means everybody has a go. Just don't pick it.
2: Just a
1: minor thing. Was that one? Yeah, that was one. Yes, yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: Cinemaster. Mm-hmm. That's me. Which European country inspired the architecture and structures seen in Castle in the Sky? Um, I would say Vatican City. It's a really good guess. The answer is Wales. 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 Wales.
1: Port Marion. Good chance. Uh,
2: so Miyazaki first visited Wales on a research trip in 1985, when the film was in early stages of production. He took inspiration from the architecture, and as a result, some of the structures seen in the film resemble Welsh mining towns. So, particularly that town, where they have the big scrap, the mining town, it's kind of like a, a street that yeah. was heavily inspired. I think one of the places he went to was Blind of <laughs> So, if you th- if you think of Bliner, it's got that that kind of main road down it with the houses either side. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a big. Influence for him. And he also, while he was there, he also witnessed the coal miner strike. And so these experiences, you see, they reflect in a lot of the characters in the film. Mm. You know, Mm. a lot of them, they kind of labor through poverty, but they'll Mm. still really enthusiastically protect the protagonists through Mm. the various aggressors. Yeah. And so that was really heavily inspired from that. Cool. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Gals, would you like those categories again? (laughs) Uh,
3: Was there You Whore? Was that one of them? Yeah. Filthy Hall. Filthy Hall. Yes. Let's go with that one.
2: So Tenku no Shiro Laputa was renamed Castle in the Sky for English markets. But why wasn't Laputa included in the English title?
3: Ooh. Um, uh, ooh. Is it because? <laughs> Is it because? It could I'm be. Trying to, I'm trying to pretend that I don't know. Is it because? <laughs> <Good>. hmm. uh, <laughs> maybe because in Spanish, puta means bitch. Or whore. Whore. It means whore, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. puta. As in, te quiero puta. I love you, whore.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: exactly. So the distributor was worried about the confusion with the Spanish phrase laputa, which literally means the whore.
0: So, what's that sauce that's called putanesca? What, what do you think that means? <laughs> whore sauce. <laughs> <laughs> you saucy whore. <laughs> All right, Craig. Uh, How gulliverable do you think I am?
2: Well-pronounced. From which classic book is Laputa, Castle in the Sky, taken? Could
0: it be Gulliver's Travels? Because if it isn't...
2: Well done. It is Gulliver's (laughs) Travels. The 1726 book by Jonathan Swift. I
3: thought it was going to be the Torah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so in in the book, Laputa is inhabited by... Narrow minded scientists and philosophers. And it has an adamantium base which can be maneuvered in any direction using magnetic levitation.
1: Adamantium, eh? Well, I never. Yeah. Quite something.
0: The only version of Gulliver I I know is the Jack Black one. So if it's not in that,
3: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) The definitive telling of the story. Exactly. No, I've never seen
0: the Jack Black one. It's very good, actually. I remember watching a really good TV version of it with Ted Danton. Do you remember that? It was on Channel 4, in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, that was great.
2: Right. This one's for a bit of fun. I'll give you, I'll buy that for a dollar. So to cover the rising production costs, Japanese companies, Toshiba and Ajinomoto, which is a huge uh, food production company, were brought in as sponsors, though they were barred from using actual footage from the film to promote any tie-in products. But can you name any of the tie-in products that emerged from this partnership?
0: Uh, Lappy
2: Tango. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're very close. There was a light fruit soda Ooh. called Lapita juice. <laughs> nice. Oh my God. <laughs> Sounds good. And they did, they did like a live action Lapita commercial. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. It's mad. It's online. So it is literally
3: bitch juice. <laughs> <laughs> the whore juice. juice. Oh, God damn it I keep on getting it wrong. Yeah. Any other guesses? Um, Ready made fried egg on toast style
0: sandwiches.
1: Ooh. Oh my God. Can you imagine how disgusting they'd be? I
2: would eat that. Yeah, I'd eat the shit out of There's
0: that. There's got to be a fried egg on toast vending machine
1: somewhere in
2: Japan. <laughs> it has got to be a thing. Yeah. I've yet to find it. They're like the the
1: ancestors to rustlers they are, yeah. aren't they? Fuck
2: <laughs> the <whole> <laughs> <Okay>, you, <no. laughs> So there was a Laputa telephone service in collaboration with NTT, which is the, the, the BT of Japan. We never, never would have guessed that. Yeah, Mad. Absolutely mad. And then Toshiba sold Lapita-themed My Dream video disc players. Oh, wow. Hey. Yeah, I know. It's like the wildest tie-in products I've ever heard.
1: Is that, like, Laserdisc?
2: Yeah, I think it must have been, like, Laserdisc before wow. DVDs.
1: Very much the, uh, the Spaceballs approach to uh, merchandising.
2: That, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, and for the all-play, you're all going to have a chance to guess this. So Studio Ghibli is known for its high-quality hand-drawn animation and Castle in the Sky is one of their most visually stunning films. But how many hand-drawn frames were created for the movie? Ooh,
3: 10,513.
1: Two-hour film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, wow. So,
0: 24
3: frames per second. Seven and a half million. That's a
0: lot. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere in between. I'm going to say 34,716.
2: Well, you're the closest, Craig, but you're still not that close. It's 160,000 hand-drawn oh. frames animated by a team of 100 animators. Yeah. And it took around two years Amazing. to complete. Yeah. So they
0: ran out of steam at, at the end with the end credits bit where they've got that really shit-looking planet Saturn in the background. Yeah. So someone was like, should we draw a planet in here? Oh, fuck. I'll get... There you go. i will
3: do. <laughs> Lazy Miyazaki.
2: Well, that's how he's known. Yeah, that's go like... down the
3: pub, do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's been two fucking years. Just,
0: I said, just do the credits in black, didn't I? Did I say that? <laughs>
3: black screen, black writing. <laughs> Shove it out.
2: <laughs> All right, let's move on to our favourite moments, Cinemaster. Would you please kick us off?
1: Well, as we've already alluded to. Um... It's kind of vision for some of the things he, the director, has a lot of uh, interest in, and I just loved all the aircraft, particularly the dragonfly aircraft that the pirates use a And the fact that they can use these, yeah. the wings are there buzzing away, but then occasionally they switch to the rocket, don't they, to give them a bit of extra boost? Yeah, I really enjoyed those bits.
2: Yeah, it all comes back to the director's fascination. Yeah. with flying machines, it's just such a, a common theme throughout so many Ghibli films. Yeah. Craig, what What's your favourite moment?
0: My favourite sequence is when they first arrive at Lapita and they see the garden with the, the robot guardian, kind of all mossy and comes to greet mm. them. And then they worry that he's lonely, but then they see that he's got all the birds and animals as companions. Yeah, I worry at the end that all the birds and animals are frozen to death as Lapita enters the upper atmosphere, but hopefully <laughs> they are. They'll live on.
3: Mm-hmm. With the angels, Then,
2: i sure they'll evolve.
3: <laughs> i
0: evolve on the journey up. That takes a few minutes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. <Just> grow <laughs> extra feathers.
1: <laughs> oh, there we go, fattening up a bit.
3: <clears throat> fucking Lapier power, in it?
1: <laughs>
3: Gaz, your favourite moment, please. My favourite moment actually also features my favourite line, Ooh. which is when the Sky Pirates... Are searching town for Sheeta and Patsy. And yeah. they're, they're questioning everybody. And he gets into a fist fight with the other big mustachioed fella. You've uh, got it. my favorite line. Just the staging of it, first of all, how they're just slowly taking it in turns to land haymakers mm. on each other. Just yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah. knocking seven bells out of each other. And then I'm going to get this line in before Craig does.
1: It's my favourite line as well. Just before
3: they start exchanging fisticuffs, the child says to the other guy, make your shirt explode. And he yeah, like tenses all his muscles line. and his moustache bristles and, you... and his hairy chest explodes at his t-shirt. Good stuff. Yeah, it's great.
2: Well, since we're into favourite lines, Cinemaster. Did you have any others? No, I didn't because I thought nobody's
1: going to be as childish as me just to pick that one. <laughs> so I thought, uh, I'll just write that one down. i <laughs> more fool you. But obviously I, I keep very good company, don't
2: I? So there we go. Yeah. What <laughs> about you, Craig? Do you have a favourite line? Yeah,
0: well, that was mine, but I'll pick one that is the response in that exchange, which is when his wife says to him, of his ripped shit, I'm not mending that, I hope you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's great. So my favorite line in Japanese is muska at the end, where he can't see, Mm. you know, in English, he says, my eyes, I can't see, but it doesn't have the impact in Japanese. He goes, mega, mega. (laughs) So my eyes, my eyes (laughs) It just feels such more impactful. And it's really like a really famous Mm. line. It kind of loses that in the English translation, sadly. Mm,
0: That's a
2: shame. In the English dub, my favorite line is um, from Uncle Pom. He says, the Earth speaks to all of us, and if we listen, we can understand. Mm. I really like that. Yeah. What did you guys think of the soundtrack? How does that rate against the great Joe Hisashi soundtracks?
3: It's um instantly identifiable. It's his. Even if you didn't know it, it was a Ghibli film, mm. if you closed your eyes when you hear the pianos coming in, the sort of wistful, nostalgic, slightly mournful pianos with the strings behind it. Yeah. It's uh, he's got a very Instantly identifiable style that's unique in each film, but um, yeah, he's a, a tremendous composer, and this is uh, yeah. this is certainly a great school.
2: Mm. It's, it's a really popular one here, and you know, if you go to karaoke, someone is pretty much nailed on. Someone's going to sing a Ghibli <laughs> song of some kind.
0: Yeah, sometimes they they do English language versions of the
3: songs as well. Oh, really? Yeah, Ponyo's about the only one I know. Ponyo, Ponyo, little fishy in the sea. Yeah, is that what it is in English? Yeah. yeah. Oh well. <laughs> ponyo,
2: Ponyo, Ponyo, Sakana no ko, which fish means yeah, little small fish, little fish. For the
0: Totoro, they do. Hey, let's
2: go. Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I think in Japanese it's a me It means just walk.
3: Yeah. It's like a marching song that, isn't it? Yeah. Aren't they actually marching on screen as yeah. it's playing as well? Let's go. Yeah.
2: Well yeah, it is. It's called the sampo, so it means like yeah, the walk walking song, hmm. Did anyone notice on, on Lepita the little Easter egg of the, the flying foxes from Nashka? Uh mm.
0: yes. The one climbs up on the robot, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: exactly. And that's yeah. what Nashka has as her little pet. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: really cool. It's been Many, many, many years since I've seen that one. Pre-children, creepy with the giant fucking bugs.
2: Uh, remember watching through the Ghibli films with my kids you know, years ago, and we got to Princess Mononoke. And I'd forgotten that it's a bit, a bit more gruesome some of the, than some it of the others. And this arm just gets shot off by a bow. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe we'll watch <laughs> this one another time. <laughs> Muska believes he is the rightful heir to Lapita and plans to wield its destructive power to rule the world. And he'll stop at nothing to get it, tracking Sheeta across land and sky. Craig, what did you think of Muska's plan?
0: I don't know why he was so cagey about it. He really alienates Sheeta by keeping her in the dark. And there doesn't seem to be any real reason for that because he brings her along with him anyway. yeah. Why he did that, I'm not certain either, because he knew that he was from the same dynasty and, and lineage. He could, The other thing he could have done is he could have just taken the stone off her when he first had her. The other thing that I don't quite get is why those other guys are with him. You know, the, the Matrix agents that follow him around, and the, one of them like pistol whips that kid. <laughs> What's in it for them? Glory? Obviously the army don't realise that he's uh, in it for himself. So that explains their involvement. But those other guys, they seem to know what he's up to. Uh, generally, I think it's a pretty solid plan. It's another one of those where people who don't care about anything don't understand people who do. So I think he could never have predicted that Sheeta and Pazu would have the guts and the heart to basically sacrifice their own lives to save everybody else. Yeah, which as we know doesn't ultimately doesn't happen, but they didn't know that. Yeah, his lack of trust and empathy is is his downfall. But pretty good point. Right.
1: Yeah, they don't make films like that with the, like a, with um, films where they do self sacrifice these days. They're very few and far between, don't they? Really, And you see it a lot more back in the eighties. There used to be like plots where they would deal with tough subjects like that. Somebody have to give their life and blah blah blah. But th- this film. Like, like you say, um, there's, a, there's a lot of heart to it. There's a much more humanity going on than you than it first appears, especially as all the twists evolve throughout the the whole the whole film.
0: Yeah, well, the famous one of of this generation is Avengers, isn't it? With uh, Iron Man, yeah. although he they're about to ruin that, yeah. aren't they?
1: He's coming back,
3: supposedly. He's coming back.
2: Is that a spoiler for Avengers? Yeah. Are you going to watch yeah. it? Are you? No. No. <laughs> oh, you will be at some point. Yeah, good <laughs> about yeah, some some Muska there, Craig. What, what you said, mm. I think he doesn't know what she knows, or maybe he has a vague idea that she might know some of the spells that activate the stone. Okay, which is why he doesn't just take it off from her. Yeah, maybe. Gaz, what are your thoughts on the plot there?
3: Yeah, he's a dickhead. He, <laughs> uh, he should he should have just taken the stone when he had the chance, and that's about all I got to say about that. I'm pretty sure you might find in someone or other's plan whose name begins with G, that he might just do something like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Namasta. anything else to add? No, nothing else. Um,
1: I'd say the, the plot twist where he goes, oh, well, I've got something to tell you, Sheena, I'm sort of your family was kind of like when he revealed he had something to reveal. It was like, okay, he's going to be a dad or a brother or a cousin or something like that. So I was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but the plot it's fairly uh, fairly risky, wasn't it? Because there was loads of people after, all after the same thing and with the army behind him, but obviously willing to stab him in the back at the moment's notice. He had to try and get all his ducks in a row, but not successful.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think he, he needed to keep Sheeta alive because he didn't know how much he knew. But as Craig said, he took the wrong approach. Just befriend her. Just... Mm. Yeah, You know, explo- you know, even lie. And he could have got what he wanted. Yeah. I think overall his, his plotting is very good, but I think just his, his approach was a, a little bit off. So I'm going to give him eight florets of broccoli that have been tended by a robot.
1: Aww. For some decades.
2: Yeah. And just before we move on, a little word for Mark Hamill's muska, which I think was actually really great. And if it... Wasn't so great. It could have really damaged the, the film, uh, particularly from the point of view of the English dub. Yeah. So well done, Mark Hamill. Yeah. And we
0: haven't said anything about Anna Paquin yet, as well. She obviously mm, has to yeah. carry this mm. on her young shoulders, and she's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: I didn't think she was that old, but obviously, you know, I, I thought she was about about similar age to us, but she's obviously quite uh, a good few years older than us
2: when she had to do this.
1: What isn't it? I think she? did she? Well, what's up? When did they do the English dub? Sorry, because I know
2: it was nineteen eighty five. Nineteen ninety eight oh okay, okay they did okay, they did a hastier dub in the eighties ah, and it was right very Roger, that makes sense then very poorly received mm. and then in nineteen ninety eight I think it was Disney took it upon themselves to do another one
0: so is that what's that so two or three years before x men so Anna we is still relatively young
1: I thought, oh but hell, maybe Van Der Beek was that old and stuff I understood. Obviously, Hamel, but I thought, yeah, the background, I thought she was similar age to us. She is the same age as us.
2: Yeah, there you go. That's why I couldn't understand it. Van der Beek is ageless. No one knows how old Van der Beek is. He doesn't even know anymore. He's uh, Dorian Gray of uh, Hollywood. He is. Black eyes like a shark. Before we move on to the competition round, we'd like to ask you to take a moment, to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on the very platform you are listening on, preferably Apple. It only takes a moment and it keeps us from tracking down mythical castles and harnessing their power for evil. This is the part of the show where we compete to see who can come up with the best evil scheme to earn those most holy of holies Peril points for the diabolical leaderboard. We'll each share an alternative plan and vote for our favourite at the end. Musker is jonesing for the destructive power of Laputa so he can rule the world. But his greed gets the better of him. Cinemaster, what would you have done differently?
3: Hurry up. I haven't got all nine. <sighs> so slow. <laughs> Mine would have been finished by now.
1: Well, I did tell you I was ill when I, when I was watching this, and I did the plot. All right, fucking
0: Spike Milligan over here.
1: <laughs> Shut up. He's Spunk Mulligan. <laughs> Musker is a man of many talents, secret talents. Watching from afar, he knew that this lone automaton, powered by an unwavering devotion to avian creatures, had a deep and tender connection with Laputa's ornithological wonders, also a similar connection to the weapon system of Laputa. Muska meticulously crafts an illusion, presenting himself as a passionate and kindred spirit when it came to the feathered denizens of Laputa's floating world. Do you know approximately two-thirds of all the bird species are found in tropical rainforests? muses Musker. Many birds, such as Starling, sings notes too high for humans to hear, he adds. Day after day, Muska wanders the gardens of Laputa, whispering sweet, ornithological words to the mechanical guardian about his love for birds, their graceful flight, and their enchanting songs. The average man would need to eat about 130 kilos per day if they had the metabolism of a hunting bird, he informs him. (laughs) He spends hours (laughs) observing the city's magnificent avian inhabitants all while subtly infiltrating the robot's programming and exploiting its trust. Within a few days, Musker's pretense grew more convincing, and the Guardian robot's defences slowly eroded. Time to execute his coup de grace. Perhaps the saddest fact I know of birds is that billions die each year due to human activity, said Musker, dropping his head and wiping a tear from his eye. If only there was some way to prevent this totally unnecessary murder, says Musker as he blows his nose into a hanky. <laughs> 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 the Guardian sees in Muska a kindred soul, someone who shares its profound affection for birds. Gradually, Musker persuaded the robot that granting it access to Laputa's advanced weaponry was essential to protect and nurture the bird population across the globe and prevent the deaths of billions. Like all AI, the robot sees mankind as the threat to the continuing survival of his avian friends, and it also has the power to override any system. Convinced of Musker's sincerity, he grants him access to the -the state-of-the-art bang-bang. That's all i got. But isn't Musker...
3: Part of mankind, him the robots see as the tree threat. Yeah, but he's he's
1: convinced him. He's absolutely convinced him. This is the only exception. There's some good bird facts. Mm. How did Muska get to Laputa? Um, he rode on a hot air balloon following some starlings. Oh, they knew the way. Yeah, and he yeah. had, <laughs> you, you know, the bungee cords used to get in like the back of your car to secure loads. Yeah, he had a propeller on a on an axle. He had loads of those bungees, twizzled them around on the back of oh. the basket of the hot air balloon. And then when the hot air balloon went up high enough, he just let go of the propeller and it spanned and it propelled him forwards. Right. And then he sort
2: of used his arms outside of the baskets like this to guide himself. Okay. Up. So he used the awesome power of elastic and yeah. he just happened upon the right starlings to lead him to Lafayette. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Just strip of luck. He, he just knew,
1: He because he, he, he has a genuine affection for birds. He's He's got more of an affection for, like, wiping out humanity, but he does genuinely care about birds. Number
2: two on the list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody who likes birds could be a bad person. I thought you said that he didn't. You mentioned on numerous occasions that he he's pretending to like birds and it's all a ruse.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's pretending that he likes birds above everything else, but he doesn't.
0: Okay, but he does like them. But he just likes them, but
1: he's... Yeah, it does like it. just not that much. Yeah. That, so that that's why the ruse isn't that difficult to pull off. Alright. <laughs> he just has to r- bump it
2: up a level. That's all. Just
1: notch it up a little bit. He's
2: not going from zero to hundred.
1: That's he already knows he's he's not pulling these, you know, he's in a hot air balloon. Yeah. And he hasn't got like an encyclopedia with him or anything. He knows all this shit already about no. birds.
0: Tell you what he has got though. What? He knows exactly where the door is to get to the core, and he knows how to open it already. So why is he bothering yeah. wasting his time talking to this dickhead? <laughs> the uh, yeah,
1: the robot. <laughs> he's lonely. Who must go? Yeah, he's lonely. Okay. He's been wanting to tell people those bird facts for years. <laughs> he was trying to tell the army blokes. That's what. That's why he left. That's why uh, he got okay. his own air balloon. He was on the airship with the army guys. I wasn't going to ask yeah. you about
0: this because I thought you'd easily talk your way out of this, but now you've mentioned it yourself. No. How does he get away from the army? They're interested yeah. in Lapita.
1: Well, yeah, they're interested in him, but he just managed This hot air balloon he's got, They just they, he just goes, oh oh, isn't that a hot air balloon over there? And they go, where? And, he, and they turn around and he's gone. And that was it. Because <laughs> don't, don't
2: forget that he's harnessing the awesome power of elastic. Bungie, yeah.
0: <laughs> all they hear is dong when they look, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: dong
1: and a little giggle. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's due to size, but if they could produce a piece of elastic big enough that it would render all nuclear power stations in the world obsolete yeah. straight away.
0: Yeah, because so, of the kinetic energy.
1: Yeah. It's just never-ending. They just have to get a load of blokes obviously twisting it every now and again. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Sounds sounds foolproof. Should we just end the competition now? Because...
1: Have I I won yet? Have I I got your vote yet?
0: How much... Benlin, did you drink while you were in this one? <laughs> uh,
1: it wasn't. I was on Sudafed, actually. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, oh, okay. Was, Yeah, Sudafed and maybe a, half a cap and night nurse. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. so well, no further questions, and I pray to the lords above that there aren't. We will have Craig's plan next.
0: Laputa has been without a king for seven hundred years. What's another decade? In his zeal to recover Sheeta's Ethereum crystal, Muska might have scared her off, abducting her and confining her to quarters, but fear can be his ally. He decides to confide in her his secret, his true name and heritage, and tells her that he seeks only to keep her safe from the pursuing paedophile pirates, and teach her the ways of her people. He proceeds to instruct her in the secret history of the royal family of Lapita and their subjects. He tells her that their people loved to fart in bed. He tells her (laughs) that snoring was seen as a sign of strength in their society. He tells her that her people loved to play cards and billiards, to eat cheese and marry their attractive cousins. He tells her that in her society, men are dominant and women servile. All made up, of course, all with the aim of grooming her for their future marriage. Once Sheeta has come of age, Muska reminds her that her people love to have children. And so it comes to pass that Muska is provided with several heirs over the coming years. Before the children can form any kind of moral compass, their mother mysteriously dies after falling down the stairs onto some bullets. (laughs) Muska is now free to raise his children the new royal family of Lapita, in his own tyrannical image. Eventually, they take to the skies to reclaim their castle and its vast power, holding the terrified world below to ransom and spitting over the side, throwing pennies off, etc.
2: So he marries Sheeta, Mm. so he waits a few years Mm. and he's still not going to Lapita in that time? No. Do you think he's got the patience?
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. lappy has been without a king for 700 years and Muska is well aware of this. Yeah, yeah. I'd say he's, what, mid-twenties in this? So he's got time to play the long game. He's jonesing for it, though, isn't he? But this is the thing. He needs to have patience because his lack of patience is his undoing. Right. So knowing that, I'm approaching it from a position of he has to have patience and that's the way okay. to do it. Okay,
2: that's interesting.
1: Lack of patience leads to unpatience. Right,
0: it leads to outpatience.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then mm-hmm. you're Clever. in the world of hurt
2: oh. Yeah, it is weird, those pedo pirates, isn't it? It is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, where they go, I'm in love with you and it was like, well, okay That's one odd, the uh, of the film
0: I don't know how old she's meant to be I'm guessing it's just that anime and manga tradition of drawing young women to look slightly childish, I think, isn't it? I think yeah. they're probably, they are meant to be sort of, well you know, 16.
2: <laughs> Gaz, what are you thinking of there of Craig's plan? Did it, did it resonate? Um,
3: no, not really. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's
3: a very damning report. Took too long. I Don't like playing the long game. You got to bish, bash, bosh it.
0: I read it in under two minutes. Yeah. I don't know what are
3: talking about? No, no, not the amount of time it took to read. No, oh, I the see. playing the long game. That Muska did.
2: I think. I think he knew yeah. secretly. There, Gaz. Yeah. I think he was razzing you. Oh, <laughs> oh dear, son of a bitch! What a horrible I mean. bugger!
0: Well, I'm just going to knock off a couple of points for Gaz for that comment. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, Gaz. Starting from a, a minus position, would you share your plan?
3: Beep, boop, warp, says Musker from underneath the robot shell he has encased himself in. (laughs) Boop, (laughs) boop, tang, meow, boop. A small LED screen is affixed to this particular lopsided tin man. On that screen runs a translation of the realistic robot sounds that Musker enunciates. (laughs) (laughs) He imitates what he imagines the walk of a robot would be and wobbles his way over to Sheeta and her crystal. "'Ah, shit, my fucking knees!' he accidentally exclaims as he clangs his knees on one side of the metallic armour calipus. (laughs) Shita and Patsu stare innocently and wide-eyed at their new friend. Clang, beep, bloop, blap, beep, beep, he says to cover for it. Muska presses the buttons to start the LED scrolling the next set of pre-programmed text. "'I need your crystal to help me protect Laputa from the baddies.' "'The baddies!' Sheeta tentatively hands the necklace over to her new robotic buddy. At that point, Muska can get the words for the activation spell, followed by simply beating the young Teesum into the nearest tree, like the Hulk does to Tim Roth, breaking their little hearts, and most importantly, their little bodies and their <laughs> organs. He is now free to harness the power of Lapita, wipe out the sky parrots, eat ice cream for breakfast, and rule the world with an iron fist. So it's basically he disguises himself as a robot and convinces her to hand over the crystal and the spell.
2: Okay How do you get the spells from her? He just beats her till she says them. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's it's um, another dark plan isn't it alagounis a where we we we're, we're encouraging child uh, murder and maim
3: i don't know how recently you've seen the incredible hulk but what happens is mm. he beats tim roth and he like rolls over yeah. backwards and smashes back first into a tree so mm. that that's basically yeah. what's happening to these kids yeah
2: okay yeah. So if you're just <laughs> gonna beat it out of them anyway, why go through the whole rigmarole of getting <laughs> the robot? Why not just beat it out because of them in the first it's place?
3: Deliciously
2: delightful
3: to convince them that they've got a new friend. Yeah. <laughs> and then have that friend beat
2: the living shit <laughs> and out and then hoof them.
3: <laughs> he's tittering away under there, thinking I have made absolute mugs out of these kids, mugging them off good and
1: proper <laughs> and then wait till I, wait till I throw them into that tree layer <laughs> yeah,
3: he's eyeing up the tree the entire time just like eyes wandering <laughs> over I'm
1: going to write the end of my notes there sadistic
2: plus or minus question mark <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know do you remember if the crystal guides them to Laputa w- without a spell does it just shine the way when she's on top of that turret? Does she not speak the magic words like for help? Oh, maybe. And that activates the robot. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember now I either. I don't think so. Either way, beating the kids for what he wants. I think that. Simple enough, it's isn't it? It's
3: going to work, isn't
1: it? Smacking kids about. It's a simple way to get a lot of things in life.
3: Mm-hmm. Can't do it these days. Not even homers allowed to strangle Bart anymore. For Christ's sake!
1: Oh yeah, ridiculous. So it's it's political <laughs> correctness <laughs> gone, gone, gone mad. <laughs> really
0: should have stopped doing it years Just quietly.
2: Not allowed to smack your kids in Wales. I don't think there's any specific law here in Japan. You're allowed to leave your kids. Yeah. There's no rule for leaving your kids at home here. You can leave them at like two, yeah. three. I <sighs> don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Can
2: you? Yeah. Jesus. We obviously we never did, but. There's no, there's no rule for it. There's
0: a really I'm cool not. TV show called Big Enough where they follow little tiny fucking Japanese kids doing stuff like going to the shops on their own for the oh, first yeah. time. Oh yeah. yeah, so good. Wow. Climbing yeah. up like four thousand steps and they're like three years old. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jesus Christ! Only I mean, get booted by a friendly robot. It's <laughs> 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 smashed straight into a way Down trees. like John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> all right well if there are no further questions for gareth
0: uh okay yeah it does need a spell to activate
2: but gaz has beaten the spells out of her so I think yeah it's fine. sure yeah covered that base i think you'll
3: find yeah.
2: i shall bring us home muska knows the key to controlling sheeta is pazu but how to control the little brat? He ponders his very conundrum as he examines the inactive robot for the hundredth time. A vessel, born only to serve, he mutters aloud. If only... Aha! He dashes from the room. The sound of hard leather on flagstone echoes throughout the military base. At last he reaches Pazu's cell and enters. Pazu, he says. Sheeta wanted me to let you know that she's fine and well. Looks through that crack there, she's waving at you. Once Pazu turns his back, Muska jabs him with a foul concoction of poisons, killing him almost instantly. Muska gently lowers the corpse to the ground, stroking his hair and shushing.
1: <laughs>
2: then he orders a group of soldiers to take it to the finest taxidermist money can buy.
1: Jesus Christ, not taxidermist. He gives them several
2: additional <laughs> specifications, including a hole in the back of the head, and a sturdy jaw hinge. (laughs) He then retires to the bases library where he studies a beginner's guide to ventriloquism. In no time at all, Muska has the perfect sidekick to help keep Sheeta compliant. Let's go to Laputa together, says Muska. Sheeta frowns back at him, clearly not convinced. Muska smiles and turns to Pazu, who is close by his side. What do you think, Pazu? asks Muska. Pazu's head turns slowly to face Muska, who now has taut lips. Pazu's jaw begins to flap open and closed. (laughs) I wish I could fly right up to Lapita, but I can't. You can, replies Muska. I can't. Pazu's big glassy eyes turn towards Sheeta. After several minutes of this charming double act, Sheeta is convinced that Pazu and Muska are firm friends and that if Pazu can trust him, then so can she. She guides them to Lapita that very afternoon. Soon, the legendary castle is up and running again and is the ultimate force on the planet, and whenever Sheeta looks like she's going to cause a problem, Pazu is always on hand to defuse the situation. (coughs) Shall we live in Lapita forever, Pazu? Oh yes, please, Miss Are you hungry, Pazu? Oh, Mr. Musker, being on Lapita is all the sustenance I need, Mr. Musker. Shall we use the awesome power of Lapita to devastate the coastal town below us as a demonstration of our immense might, Pazu? Oh, that sounds wonderful, Mr. Musker. Can I press the button? And so on. <laughs>
3: Jesus. Is this plan loosely based on when you told us you would like for your earthly remains when you pass on to be turned into some sort of ventriloquist dummy?
2: Loosely. <laughs> okay. Like, that comes to me a lot, that. I really would love that. That'd be amazing.
0: <laughs> and remind me when we did the Psycho episode and I posited that one could stuff a, a, a human and use its taxidermied corpse, did you vote for me that week? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> did you question whether that would work? Don't, no, I don't, don't think remember. I did. I
1: don't think I had any, any questions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ! This is going to the finest taxidermist. Don't forget.
1: Oh, the finest! Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. yeah, yeah. Not just a Hick Tower. No, Norman Bates is just an amateur like a hobbyist. Yeah.
0: Do you think at any point that Shita might question Pazu's sudden change in attitude (laughs) and her, um, Hinged jaw.
1: (laughs) 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 He seems a bit less sprightly than he used to. Could you dramatize that conversation, please for us? I'd like to hear that. Questioning Pazu, why he's, why suddenly he's, he seems very different towards her and taking Muska everywhere he goes.
2: Pazu, what's the matter? You don't seem as Genki as usual. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, well, Sheeta, it's all those years (laughs) working down the mine made me very tired. Now I'm having a nice long rest and my friend Mr. (laughs) Musker is holding me up. He's such a kind man. (laughs) Take it to Lapita quickly. (laughs)
1: Fair
3: enough. And they're really kids, aren't they? So they probably get along with that.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I've seen kids cry at Punch and Judy, and those are tiny puppets. So life-size like puppets. <laughs> Easy peasy.
1: Yeah, but when you're watching a, a puppet woman get beaten to death. <laughs> It does knock the wind out of a little bit. Oh, that was a dark puppet show, wasn't it? It doesn't happen now, though, does it? No. Before he starts beating her up, it goes down, you just hear the sounds, don't you? Mm. Apparently. Uh,
0: okay, yeah, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> just, just keep it in the kids' minds. And the screams. Let them picture them beating. <laughs> Just as long as it's violence, but it's behind closed doors and people can
1: hear it but not see it, that's a lot less damaging than actually seeing violence because then it's... What it's doing then is it's making it a taboo and nobody wants to talk about it. (laughs) Silencio. Do you know what it is? It's political correctness. God mad.
2: (laughs) Well, if my calculations are correct, those schemes were absolutely diabolical. Now it's time to vote for our favourite. As a reminder, we had the Cinemasters' cold medicine-induced <laughs> something or other. <laughs> I'm going to say, I can't, I can't wait to hear what he's going to say about my plan. <laughs> ornithological uh, whatever, you know. The Cinemasters' ornithological fandango, Craig's gruesome grooming plan, Gaz's <laughs> robot surprise, and my ventriloquism <laughs> plot. Remember, each vote is worth exactly one point for the leaderboard. No more. Come on, guys. But certainly, no no less. No No less. less. Oh, this catchphrase is just going from (laughs) strength to strength. Sweeping the globe. (laughs) Cinemaster, could you tell us who you have chosen this week?
1: Well, I went for the plan that delivered instant results. So I've gone for Gaz. Oh, Very
2: wise. And Gaz, who have you voted for?
3: Well, as coincidence would have it, I've gone for the cinemaster. Oh. I believe appealing to the robot's kinder of nature would probably pay dividends.
2: Very yeah.
1: good.
3: The kind folk. Doesn't work for uh, Sheeta, of course, when she tries to do that, but
0: who knows?
1: She, she didn't know any bird facts, that's a problem. <laughs> that is the difference. She didn't know that there was there's that you know, to eat to be eat as much as hummingbird as a person. That's 830 kilos of meat. That's a lot. That's a hell of a lot.
0: I had a really big kebab the other week and I didn't have anywhere near <laughs> that much meat. <meeting. laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Craig, who have you voted for this week?
0: Well, against my better judgment, I voted for kicking them into a tree. Uh, Gaz.
1: Ah.
2: <laughs> it's a bloody clean sweep for Gaz this week because I have also oh, voted for Gaz. Look at him. Oh, my word. So there we have it. Gaz. What does that do to the diabolical leaderboard? We've got
3: big changes afoot. Still in the lead is Craig with 16 points. <sighs> However, in joint second place wow. with 15 yeah. points apiece is myself and the Cinemaster. Wow. And bringing up the rear with 10 points is Ben. Where he likes to be.
2: Wow! Yeah, wow! I hate saying goodbye, but I love watching you guys leave. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, as next week's host, you hold our movie watching lives in your hands. Reflect on the significance of what you're about to say, and tell us what will we be watching.
0: Uh, for, what are <laughs> <you> now? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, well, look look, 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 listen, look, look, listen. <laughs> look, we haven't done, we haven't done a James Bond film this season. Ooh. So why don't we do everybody's favourite James Bond and everybody's favourite James Bond film, not just of his era but of all time? Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, oh. We are entering the Pierce Brosnan era. And we're shunning Oof. Goldeneye his, uh, his popular
2: That's wild
0: Relaunch of the series <laughs> I picked Tomorrow Never Dies Because really like the uh, theme tune By Cheryl
2: Well Powell. I haven't seen it so yes. It's, ah, and uh...
0: also Michelle Yeoh is in it yeah. Which hopefully will bring some Of that Hong Kong action That we in the West don't get enough of
2: Yeah Well that's it for another episode Thank you for listening don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform of choice so you never miss an episode. But most importantly, leave us a wonderful review and tell all of your friends about us. It will give you something to talk about other than your kids, your job, or that massive bunion on the side of your foot that made you quit dance class. For more nonsense and movie chat throughout the week, follow us on all the social medias at Pod. Join us next time where we'll be discussing this season's Bond film, Tomorrow Never Dies. And remember, those who run away, steal the treasure, another day. And I swear, by the moon and the stars in the sky, I'll be there. For better or worse, to death do us part. <laughs>
1: now people won't be expecting
2: that for a sing-along at the end of the mountain. Aruko, aruko, watashi wa genki. Aruku no dai suki, don don yukou, saka michi no. taneru kusabara. I can't remember the next bit. That'll be So much I remember. You could have made it up. We wouldn't have known any different. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>